You're listening to the best morning routine ever podcast, the show that proves no one stumbles upon success ever. With your host, Lou Need. Every Mondays and Thursdays, we deliver cold heart evidence behind the power of a robust morning routine. Get ready to be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Hello, morning enthusiasts. Welcome to the Best Morning Routine Ever podcast. I am your host, Dr. Lumine, and today I have the pleasure of introducing a very special guest to the show, Ayana Davis. So Ayana is known as the phenomenally autistic individual, and that's her whole brand. And you see, because she has, she is an autism advocate, born and raised in New York, and she has autism and has survived over 300 seizures, lives with chronic illness, you know, like immune diseases, but that does not stop her from spreading her message of joy, how to effectively heal yourself, diversity and inclusion, and the uh, autism awareness and how to be accepted with all that. So it's a really powerful young lady bringing on the show today because we're going to learn from her on how to... Uh, foster that that self-love initially so with no further ado ayana welcome to the show thank you hi hey so good to have you here go ahead and tell us about a little bit about your journey well i'm ayana most people know me as phenomenally autistic and i'm an autism advocate i mainly advocate for black autistic women because i do believe that when people think of autism, um, we're the forgotten ones. And I advocate through art, and I believe art is very healing. I try to enforce people to keep a positive attitude because I believe that helps you on any type of healing journey because I believe your mindset and how you think and your thoughts and everything like that is very powerful. I'm an artist and I illustrate books. I put out coloring books. I've been in plays, a part of theater groups. I've written articles about my autism journey. And I think that's it. <laughs> yeah, no, that's good because I, I have some questions myself. Like, how has art helped your autism? It's helped me because sometimes I have, you know, issues with communication which most autistic people do. So even if I don't know how to verbally express myself or can't verbally express myself because I am verbal with nonverbal episodes, but I still can communicate through art. If I can't verbally express myself, I can draw, mm -hmm. um, I can paint. I've done plays, um, you know, that's a way to express yourself and I can write. So I feel like art is important because it's a, another way of expression and communication. I've done plays and, you know, before I was diagnosed, it was an escape, which was helpful mm. because, you know, I didn't know what was wrong, even though I don't think anything is wrong with me. I just knew I was different. So be doing theater was a way for me to escape. So I always had art to fall back on and I always had art to escape into. So it's been a big part of my life because it was always there for me. Yeah. Uh, and I know you said growing up, you would 
sit in a corner and draw for hours because it was easier, yes, for you to do that. That was your mode of communication rather than yes. speaking because you were super shy, right? And you would ignore people, not knowing what uh, yeah, was happening. I would. <laughs> yeah, um, and I, I don't think it was really shyness. It was more like I didn't really have like, I didn't have social skills. Most autistic people don't. We sometimes don't know how to start a conversation or even keep a conversation going like we work better like when we're asked questions Mm -hmm. so you know people when they would say hello to me you know I was kind of scared (laughs) Mm -hmm. but I was I was okay with like my family you know I came from a really big family my grandmother had 10 kids you know three sets of twins and four single births so I had a big family so I was you know pretty much okay with my family but there was always a lot of visitors because there was a lot of, you know, a lot of children that she had. So like if my uncles or aunts had people visiting, it would be their their friends. They'd be like, hi, hello. And I just look at them like, why are you saying hi to me? <laughs> and they'd be like, well, they'd be like, well, what's wrong with her? How come she didn't say hello back? And, you know, so those were always the things. And sometimes I just look at them and like walk away because I didn't know that that wasn't nice. You know, again, not knowing social skills, not knowing what was appropriate and what wasn't appropriate. So, you know, sometimes they tell me to say hello and then I'd say hello or sometimes they tell me to say hello and I wouldn't say hello. So, you know, it depends on what kind of day you catch me on. Right. And it wasn't just because you didn't feel like it. It was just that that seemed normal to you. Yeah. Or it just might have been a day where I was, you know, overwhelmed having sensory issues and, you know, just felt overwhelmed and having a lot of anxiety. We didn't know at the time that I was having anxiety because I couldn't express the way I was feeling. I couldn't put into words the way that I was feeling. So, you know, we just never knew why I was so different. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with that. And I, I think you you mentioned that because of being autistic, that, you know, the rest of the world don't believe you are worthy of living your dreams. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it can sometimes be a little frustrating, but at the same time, it can motivate you to prove them wrong. When people think of autism, they just think of, you know, little white nonverbal boys who can't express themselves, who can't speak. They just, they don't think that you can flourish in life. They don't think that if you have a dream to do something that you can ever accomplish it. So, you know, their thoughts kind of like, they think that you, they can cripple you with their thoughts, like, Mm -hmm. but you can't let other people's thoughts hinder you. So like, I've never been a person to let other people put limits on me. So it is like dangerous, though, that society already labels you unable to do things because there are a lot of people who unintentionally allow people to put limits on them. Not you, though. No, no, not at all. (laughs) And so how are you now? Because I know you were diagnosed later on in life. And so those emotional challenges growing up and not knowing what's going on, people, you know, you people thought maybe you were crazy, even yourself, for not being able to kind of relate with with others, right? On On a social level. Yeah. And also because, you know, I'm, I'm also developmentally delayed. So that didn't help either because 
you know, then people were like, oh, she's she's not responding this way and she's she's not like her peers and she mm-hmm. she doesn't she doesn't even speak and she doesn't like to play with her friends. And, you know, my grandmother actually I was but I was never in like a special education class. But my grandmother worked with, you know, special in special education class. So when there would be recess, that's who I went and I played with the special education kids. I didn't play with the kids that I was in class with. One, you know, I was bullied and they called me weird. And so, you know, I was kind of like overlooked by the school system and overlooked by my class and, you know, just overlooked by the school because, you know, sometimes, you know, black children are neglected. They don't um, Mm -hmm. look at our needs. And if we need a little extra help and if we're not like, they sometimes think we're being combative. So, you know, that was also like a problem. But, you know, I went and I, I played with the, the children in my grandmother's class and, you know, I was fine there. So it was always just like, oh, she, she's not listening and she's being combative and she won't eat her food. And I'm just like, well, you know, I have sensory processing disorder, which we know now. So there were certain textures of food that I couldn't tolerate and certain smells of food that I couldn't and still can't tolerate so you know it it was always like she's being combative but it was just like literally things that I could not tolerate Mm -hmm. and now that you you have the diagnosis you know what's going on and so I you are advocating for black women with autism now so how is the how things different in terms of you figuring out what is it that you need to learn so that you can actually for lack of a better word blend in a little more Well, I don't think that like we'll ever fully blend in, but I feel like since people learn more and know more and actually know that we're here and know that we exist, it'll make things a little bit easier because we'll actually get the resources that the white men get and that the little white boys get. Because even to get diagnosed as a black woman, it's harder because the actual test that you get to be diagnosed as autistic is made for white men. It's not even made for black people or even white women. So the actual test to be diagnosed for autism is made for white men. So just speaking up about it and, you know, talking about just getting the diagnosis as a black woman or a black child can make more people aware and then more people can start speaking out more parents if they notice something different about their child they can bring their child in and let their primary care doctor know because black children are diagnosed on average three years later than their white peers but if parents are more aware than that and they see that their child is not developing but maybe like their siblings or as their peers they can bring this to their primary care doctor and let them know. And if you don't like the answer that you get, you go to another doctor. Get a second opinion. Yeah, I I agree. What are some of those other resources that the discrepancy that you see between the different cultures? I learned that when a white child or, you know, sometimes people get diagnosed as a teenager or even adult, when they are diagnosed, they get tons of resources and they get like the red carpet rolled out for them when black people get diagnosed they basically give you your diagnosis and they're like okay bye you know here you go go out into the world blindly you don't know anything mm-hmm. any like resources or 
therapies that can help or would have helped me, my dad found them. Like we found that because like everybody is different and every therapy that is out there is not going to work for every person because every autistic person is different. Um, The spectrum is very wide. So like for me, we found that um, like CBT therapy works for me, DBT therapy works for me. But my dad found all of these things, you know, when I was diagnosed, they were just like, okay, she's autistic. Bye, go home. <laughs> so I we learned that like you don't get the resources that like the white children get, the white people get, you know, white men in particular, because, you know, that's who the test is made for. So that's who gets tested more and who gets diagnosed more and it's easier for them to get their diagnosis so i've learned that they're the ones that get the resources everybody else just gets sent home blindly not knowing what to do next so you have to become your own advocate and right now though you are helping other people right because you're advocating with for other people what does that process look like um just basically i just try to share my experience You know, because I can only tell them as much as I know. So I try to share my experience. I have a lot of parents that follow me and sharing my experience. They tell me that I help them learn a lot about the behaviors of their children and and helps them learn more about their child and why their child does the things they do and behave in the way that they behave. So, um, you know, that's like what my experience is. I'm speaking out, like I said, letting them know if you notice something, speak up. And if you don't like the answer you get, go somewhere else. And you do have to sometimes take things into your own hands. Like it's not fair, but until, you know, enough people speak out, you know, it's it's probably going to be that way for a while. Because as much as people ask for acceptance, like, we are accepted among each other. And as much as like the mainstream media and everybody, they they say autism acceptance, but they really don't accept us. They say that to make themselves look good. So there's a lot of work to be done. And, you know, non-autistic people, they say they accept you, but you only hear about autism in April during Autism, Autism Awareness, Autism Acceptance Month. But what they need to understand is that we don't go away in April. When the month of April is over, we're still autistic. So <laughs> saying like that you advocate for us and that you accept us, you need to accept us year around because we're autistic our entire lives year around. And autism doesn't end when you're 18, you're autistic your entire life. Yeah. And for you, you've had some victories like your. I think I saw a post that you're 60 days um, seizure free. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, yeah, actually, now I I hit a 200 day milestone. I just haven't posted it yet. But yeah, I'm doing really good with that. Because at one point, I was having like 14 a day. We have no idea why, but I'm doing really good now. I just I just haven't posted like my milestone pics in a while. But I'm going to do that really soon. So, yeah, I'm I'm doing like exceptional with that. Yeah. So tell me what factors into that being seizure free. Is it is it diet? Is it meditation? Um, I know you're very big on mindset. Share with us some of the things that helps. I don't exactly know why, but 
you know, we change some medications, raise some things around, like it's like trial and error. But what I can say is that a lot of autistic people do have them because you know, autism is a neurological disorder. A lot of people think that it's a mental illness, but it's actually not. It's a neurological disorder. And, you know, seizures are neurological too. So it's very common, you know, for the two to go together. So we had like, you know, so just some med changes, but, you know, through it all, even when I was having tons of them, you know, I tried to keep the same mindset. You know, I don't want to lay in bed all day and feel bad for myself I still want to get up and do the things that I do every day even if I have to like force myself and drag my own self out of bed even on the days where I'm like I can't do this you can do this so I just try to remain positive because having a negative mindset isn't going to change anything so I just feel like there's no reason to complain about something that you can't particularly for yourself change it so, you know, just remaining positive through it all, I feel like that, you know, just keeps my spirits high. So as far That's as... That's awesome. Yeah, I try. What about your morning routine? What are some things that you do in the morning to get up, dress up and show up? Yeah, I so I get up and I, I do my, you know, my personal hygiene thing. And then I um, I meditate for about 20 minutes. And then I have like this positive affirmation deck so I read all my positive affirmations and then I have like positive affirmations that like people have sent me. So the ones that I really like, I also read those. So after I do all of that, um, I read them aloud because I had um, a speech impediment, but I did speech therapy and I, I stuttered a lot. But now I, it only happens once in a while. So I read them aloud, though, because that ha- that has helped tremendously with me just doing much better with that. And then I do just some journaling to just get my feelings out. And that basically, you know, starts my day. I stretch because I just got back to my training in my contemporary dance. So I stretch and um, because five years ago, I had very low mobility, you know, sometimes I couldn't make it up and down the steps myself. So, you know, I'm just grateful that like I'm very mobile now. So I make sure that I stretch every morning. Sometimes I make jewelry, so I make earrings. So just to like keep myself busy and not just like sitting around and thinking about, thinking about like, you know, the bad things. Um, of course, I take my medication. I take 270 pills a week, but <laughs> I try to not think about it as 270 a week. I just, it's 40 pills a day, but if I'm thinking about it as the day, it's not as many, even though that still is a lot. But if I'm thinking about it day by day, it's not as bad. So I just try to take things day by day, you know, be mindful and live in the moment. I love that. Yeah. Even if the moment is not so great, it's just a moment. Yeah. No, that that's great. And I like your morning routine. You're keeping it simple, right? You're you're doing your meditation first thing in the morning and you're doing your stretching and moving the body, getting the blood flow uh, incorporated in there. It's really helpful for the mind and affirmations. I'm a big fan of them. They're big. Saying them out loud, speaking them out into the world, declaration that I am that I am, you know, like I am powerful, I am beautiful, I, you know, all that really seeps into the subconscious mind. And you start to believe it if you ever yes. doubted it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You have to put good into the universe because the universe is always listening. 
Yeah, I love that. Well said. Well said. Tell us, my friend, how can we connect with you? Where can we find you? Well, it's phenomenally autistic everywhere. Phenomenally autistic on TikTok. Phenomenally autistic on Instagram. Phenomenally autistic on Facebook. And phenomenally autistic on YouTube. Yeah, quite powerful. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing with us today. Thank you for having me. Yeah, my pleasure. All right, morning enthusiasts, that's it for today's show. Thank you for tuning in. If you love the best morning routine ever podcast, we'd love to hear from you. So go ahead and subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes or Google Play. While you're at it, tell a friend about the show. Be sure to visit bestmorningroutineever.com and our Facebook group to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover our fantastic free bonus content. Until next time.